houses of worship, churches as essential places that provide essential services. Man, you have a problem figuring out what you're for me is wrong, and you ain't black. Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. Come on, man. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds, but I mean, come on, man. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. China. It comes from China. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. Strongsville Christian Church The Spirit of the Lord is upon me Because He hath anointed me to preach good news It would be December 30th, 2002 That would be the proper date December 30th, 2002 it would be the date that I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It would be the date that God entered into my life. It would be the date that Jesus Christ became the Lord and Savior of my life. It would be the date that God filled me with his presence and he changed me. It would be the date that I was curled up in a fetal position in a jail cell and the Holy Spirit was coming inside of me, and the hairs on my arm were standing up, and I felt a vibration coming upon me. That would be the actual date. But for the sake of uh, time, we're going to put uh, today's date. Amen. But be it told that today is not actual the date that this sermon was birthed. God was birthing this sermon out of me from the day that I got saved. And if you are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, you will understand that God does not play around when it comes to touching his anointed. Amen. We're going to go into that. And a lot of times, one of the things that, um, that uh, some churches are lacking is the preaching and teaching of the fear of the Lord. And the lack of preaching and teaching of the fear of the Lord is why you have so much rebellion, is why you have so much craziness, is because folks do not fear the consequences to what God can do. In fact, even in the very beginning, in the very beginning, God told Adam and Eve, out of all the fruit in the garden you may eat, but do not touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they touched the Lord's anointing on that apple. If this is something that God is showing me that it has happened. Now here's the thing. You may not believe the word of God, but I have some experiences in God that confirmed the word of God to be true. There are some things that have happened in my life where I saw God do certain things, but if I tell them to you right now, it's premature. So I'm not going to share everything right away. I'm going to first get into the word of God. Amen. But I'm going to tell you that the word of God will be confirmed to you. 
in your life that it is true. It's not just a book. It's not just a book of poetry. It's not just a uh, book of uh, morality. It's not just a book of right and wrong. There is a spirit of life in the word of God. And it is more powerful than any two-edged sword. Amen. I want to talk to you today about touch not my anointed. This might not be a popular sermon amongst the mega ministries. This might not be a feel-good uh, shout, run around the church, hallelujah, mess up your hair type of sermon. Amen. But this is a tape of sermon that will sober you up a little bit. Amen. And I will tell you what, this is a sermon that when you have the anointing of God in your life, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid because the Bible says, touch not my anointed. And if you are God's anointed, then this sermon is about you. Amen. And here's the thing. It might not be about you. You might be one of the folks that are responsible for touching the Lord's anointed. And I got to tell you, if that's even you, there's still hope because you can repent. Amen. And a lot of times you don't see immediate instant wrath and judgment of God of people who feel comfortable and might even be addicted to touching the Lord's anointed. And because there has not been any consequences immediately, they have mistaken that as God's permission for allowing it to happen. But when things don't happen right away, it is simply an extension of God's grace. It is an extension of God's mercy for them to get it together. You see, there was a time, folks, I got to tell you, I, I've been on both sides of the fence before. I wasn't always a Christian. I used to be an atheist. I used to hate Christians. There was a time when I was about 18 years old, 17 years old, 16 years old. How many believe that's still a baby? 15 years old, 16 I was about 15 years old, and I remember there was a time where I went into one of these holy scriptures, and I ripped out the middle page with words on it. And I pulled out my sack of marijuana, and I took that Bible paper with words on it, and I rolled up a fat blunt out of God's word. And I lit it on fire. God's holy Bible right here. I lit it on fire with marijuana. And I actually smoked marijuana with the word. Not the end pages. In the middle. I did it on purpose. Do you know God could have struck me dead right there? God could have struck me dead right there. And not only did I smoke the weed, I got other people. I was a ringleader. I got other people to smoke weed out of the Bible paper. And while we were doing it, we were laughing and mocking and taunting God. You see, one of the things that Jesus said, there are sins that will not be forgiven. It's talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What do you think that is? When you touch the Lord's anointed, it is a form of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
Let, let me say this, folks. When you touch the Lord's anointed, it is a form of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I believe there is different levels of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk to you today that when people come against you and you know you're the Lord's anointed, you don't have to worry. See, there's a reason. Now, when we talk about the Lord's anointed, the ultimate anointed one was Jesus. Amen? Jesus was the ultimate anointed. But God does not stop at Jesus. He stops with his church. Do you see that? When the devil puts his hands on God's people, there is consequences. It might not happen right away. You see, God should have. Now, let, let, let me be honest. If I was God and I was looking down on heaven and I saw me getting other people to smoke weed out of the Bible paper and mocking, if I saw that, I would have struck me dead right there. I would. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I would have checked myself out. Maybe God had a little bit of mercy because of my childhood. I can't figure it out. See, sometimes God's mercy, his grace, and his love goes beyond our comprehension. But just because it goes beyond our comprehension does not mean that he totally excludes all consequences. You see, I had to go through a rough, rough life before I got to this pulpit right here. And I, in a way, regret so much of what I did before I got to this pulpit. I regret so much of it. But I had to go through so much pain and suffering in and out of uh, excruciating pain, excuse me, excruciating failure, and, and I was under the judgment of God, and I did not know it. And, and, and before I get in the message, there are some folks that they can hear this sermon over and over and over, and they still get it. They still will not connect the problems that they have in their life is that are immediate consequences of them touching you. And they will still never get it. They won't see the connection. They will say it was a coincidence that these bad things are happening in their life and they won't connect the dots that they're putting their hands on you. They won't make the connection. It could be so obvious. You see, let, let me tell you about Jesus. Why do you think when Jesus, he was up on this cross, he had a crown of Thorns being squished on his head where blood was dripping down. There were nails were pierced through his arms and his legs. And they pierced him in the side. And, and why is it that even in his pain, he cried out to his Father in heaven. He said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Jesus knew so much that you are not to touch the Lord's anointed that he was begging he was pleading. He was trying to rebuke the devourer for our sake. He was asking God to have mercy. There is not a soul that will touch the Lord's anointed and get away with it. Now, doesn't mean that there's instant reaction. Sometimes there's a delay. I want to talk to you today about touch not 
my anointed. I don't care what side of the fence you are. I don't care if you're demon-possessed, unsaved. You can repent and get right. I don't care if you're full of the Holy Spirit and you're anointed and people are constantly touching you. God will deal with them. He will deal with them. The Bible says in Psalms 105.15, it says, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. We say it, we preach it, we know it. This ain't nothing that we haven't heard before. But what does it mean? What does it mean to touch his anointed? Is God talking about touching someone physically? Do we have to take it that level? How extreme does God care about people touching his anointed? Is it a bullet? Is it physical assault? Does it stop with words? Does it even pertain to the intentions of the heart? Does it pertain to entertaining thoughts against the Lord's anointed? How serious was God when he wrote this warning for mankind when he said, saying, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. And what is God's biblical definition of who is God's anointed? And what is his definition of touch? You see, Judas touched the Lord's anointed with a kiss. Sometimes the Lord's anointed are being touched and it looks like they're not. Judas came up to Jesus Christ and he kissed him. Does that constitute touching the Lord's anointed? That means that people can kiss you. And for everyone else, for the rest of the world, it can look like they love you, but their heart is far from me, Jesus said. They honor me with my, their lips. There are people who look to be kissing you, but in their hearts, they are touching you. And does the Lord care? Does he care? I have many examples of what God has done to people who have touched me. In this church here, and the church before we got here, and there were, in some cases, Instant consequences. Now, I have noticed this happen in my life before I was a pastor. 
before I ever preached one sermon, before I ever did one church service in the nursing home, before I ever did one church service in the jail, before I did any ministry, before I was ever licensed, ordained as a deacon, before I ever served in the church, before I was ever baptized, before I ever gave tithes and offerings, before any of those things, I've watched God do certain things to certain people who thought it was okay to touch me. Now, in my own judgment, I would say, touch me. Who am I? I'm just a man just like you. I'm just a human being just like you. I'm no more special. In fact, I've done more wrong than you. I've done more sin than you. Who am I that God cares who touches me? Why would God even trouble himself? When a soul such as myself deserves hell. Well, I'll tell you what, because all things become new when you're born again. And that old self is dead. And behold, a born again creature comes out that is no longer human flesh and blood, but a spirit birth being that is now entered and grafted into the kingdom of heaven and has the blood of Jesus covering them. I am not the same. And God recognizes that. Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Folks, I don't want to overcomplicate the message. But just for a little bit of clarity to make sure that we're, there's no confusion because the devil operates Confusion. For clarity's sake, the Bible says that the definition of anointed, we're talking about touch not the Lord's anointed, the Bible says the Strong's Concordance, for those of you that do not know what a Strong's Concordance, it's simply the breakdown of Hebrew and Greek. Hebrew Old Testament and Greek New Testament. Amen. Don't, 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 don't let me scare you away real quick. Amen. You've heard the name Mashiach. Some folks will say Yeshua HaMashiach. I don't get into Yeshua HaMashiach because I speak English. So the Bible in uh, Old English and uh, King James says Jesus. So I just go with that. I don't say Yeshua HaMashiach. But the word HaMashiach, some people are saying HaMashiach, not even knowing what does that mean. They're just saying it. Well, HaMashiach means anointed. And was Jesus the only anointed one that God is concerned about? Well, let's look at the intention of the scripture. It says anointed in, in the Strong's Concordance. It means Mashiach. It usually a consecrated person as a king, a priest, or a saint, specifically the Messiah, the anointed one, but it also is in the category of a saint. If you are a saint of the Most High God, then you are in that protection, a hedge of protection, if you will. The devil tried to touch Job, but Job said, I cannot touch him because you have a hedge of protection around him. But if you let me touch him, he'll curse you and die. So I got to tell you that if God is going to allow you to get touched, 
It only is because he has a blessing for that touching. The devil can't, see, the devil actually invoked a blessing upon Job by touching him. See, God knew that the devil was going to touch him, but he blessed double of what he had after he touched him. The Bible literally says that God, he was already blessed before the devil touched him. But he let the devil take everything and allowed him to touch him and it gave him a double for your trouble. You see, every time that someone has touched me and caused me pain and caused me stress and brought me down to my knees in tears as a pastor, before a pastor, every time that has happened, God has given me a blessing. God doesn't even want his anointed touched with words or negative thoughts. You see that? We all know we're not supposed to beat someone up or stab someone or shoot or kill them or execute them. We all know that's under the guise of uh, or the guidelines of touching. But God doesn't even, Jesus said, if you think on a woman with lust in your heart, you're guilty of adultery. Jesus said, if you have hatred in your heart with your brother, you're guilty of murder. What is God's standard for touching the Lord's anointed? Do you know, do you recognize, do you believe that God can hold someone accountable for having negative thoughts about you? Did Jesus say every idle word that a man speaks, they will have to give an account? How far does God take this touch not my anointing thing? How far does he take it? I don't know how it is that I've been pastoring for 10 plus years and preaching for 16, 17 some years. I don't know how it is that I've never preached a sermon on this that I can recall. It is one of the most important messages that as believers, we need to hear these things. We need to know that God does not play. With his children. You don't understand what I'm saying. I'm confusing you. Okay. Let me break it down in a simple example. A mother geese. Mother goose. Geese. Goose. Mother goose. Has some children. Okay. She lays down her eggs. She won't even let you come near her children. That cute little cuddly bird that you want to throw bread at and pet and cute and, oh, girl, so cute. You want to pet his little head, her head. Go ahead and see how cute it is when you come near her children. That cute little bird will extend its wingspan and peck the soul out of you if you touch its children. And that, I've seen, like, it's almost comical. And a lot of times, does it matter 
if that person knows that there's children there? Does the mom sit down and have an interview with the person? Well, did you know I'm here to, it don't care. See, a lot of times, have you ever heard of bear maulings? Yeah, a lot of times those bear maulings take place because they're protecting the cubs. That mama bear don't know or care if you know that there are cubs in the air and they're just protecting. It don't care. It's not going to sit down and have coffee with you and interview. See, that is nature. Nature does not let you touch their children. We are God's children. How much more does a heavenly father not want people to touch God's anointed. God doesn't even want his anointed touch with words or negative thoughts. I'm going to get into the point where I start giving some examples of things that you can, you can call luck, you can call coincidence, you can say whatever you want. I'm just going to tell you what happened and let you make your own conclusion. Uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, it says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue. You see, in order for a tongue to rise up against you, a tongue is only activated by the thoughts. And often thoughts are only activated by what's in the heart. That's why the Bible talks about the intentions of the heart. So even when folks have thoughts about you, they are in dangerous ground. You can let all the people you want talk about me all you want. And I'll sit back. I'll forgive. I'll pray. And I'll ask God to spare them. But I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like was it Jonah that sat on the top of the hill waiting for the hellfire and brimstone to burn them down to pieces? Why? And, and, and the reason why I, 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 I think that way, because I've watched God punish people in front of me. I, I, I forgave them. I didn't take it personal. I've watched certain things happen, and, and I want to go into uh, some examples, but first I have to share the word of God before I do that. It says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage. Do you understand when you are a child of God, you receive a heritage? When you're born into a rich family, you are a child. You didn't even lift up a finger. You didn't do anything to earn those degrees. You didn't go to work every day. You didn't pay the bills. You didn't pay the mortgage. But even if you're a child born into a rich family, just by having to be born in that household, you receive certain heritage. You see, this is a heritage that we receive as Christians. It says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. There was a time where our church was a newer church, and we were around for maybe three, four, five years, and we were in a small storefront church, 
in Cleveland on the west side on Pearl Road. It was called uh, Old Brooklyn Christian Church. Before it was called Old Brooklyn Christian Church, it was even called Number 7 Ministries. And God told me to change that name into Old Brooklyn Christian Church. And then we moved to Strongsville, and we weren't going to go with Old Brooklyn in Strongsville because that would cause confusion. So we changed the name, but at the time we first started, we were called Number 7 Ministries. And it was just a small field group. And um, when we started, uh, for some reason, for some reason, there were other churches around our church. In fact, one that was right across the street. They were antagonized by our storefront church. Now, here we are. Um, I didn't even want to be a pastor. I didn't even want to do what we're doing. I'm only doing what God called me to do and what he anointed me to do. And, and so here we are. We're having church services. And, and, and one day, this guy from this Presbyterian church, and I'm not making this point to attack any specific religion. I'm just giving details. And so this Presbyterian church that literally has been around for over 100 years, it has been around, active, and prospering for 100 years. They have a meeting, a board meeting, against our small storefront church. And they start to make plans uh, with the owner of Bush Funeral, which is right next door. And um, they start talking to the owner of Bush Funeral, and they start conspiring against our small storefront church. They're having a meeting. Now, how is it that I would get wind of this? It's interesting that when you touch the Lord's anointed, the Lord will let you find out. He'll have a birdie come by and whisper it in your ear. He'll give you a dream. It, so you'll, you'll be in a spot where you had no business being, and God will let you see it. Someone will come up to you and start telling you things. So literally what happened is I was actually at work, and this guy who was part of the meeting, he actually busted out of the middle of the board meeting, ran down the stairs, ran across the street, went into my office, and said he came in crying. And the weird thing is I didn't even know this person. I literally didn't know him. And he, he introduced himself, and he's crying, and he said, he said Pastor, Pastor, uh, they're having a meeting about your church right now to close down your church. They want to wipe out the entire building and use it for their parking. He said that they're bothered by your church being here. And he said, I spoke up and defended you and said that they were wrong for talking about you and they were wrong for wanting to destroy your church. This church was there for over a hundred years. Shortly after that meeting, our church stayed alive. No, we're not a mega ministry. We're not like thousands and thousands of people, but we're alive. And their church closed down a few years after that meeting. And they were there for a hundred years. Now, I'll give it to you. You can call that a coincidence. You can call that bad luck on their part. But the very thing that they tried to do against me, which was to close our church down, fell back on them. With the same judgment that they measured out, came back to them and they closed it. 
Now, you could call it a coincidence, but it happened. And there were uh, multiple pastors that came against me. One even said that I was a racist, that I hated black people. That's what they said. They put their tongue on me. They accused me publicly and said I was a racist and that I hated black people. That's what they said. And not long after that, their church closed down after being there for over 10 years. And this happened over and over and over. All these churches, they called me a bootleg pastor. They said I was no good. They said I should just quit. They said you don't have very many people. You're not even prospering. You should close down. And all of them closed down. I can name them by name, but I'm not going to. These are, this is just one example. I, all of that, I count that just as one example. I, I could give you more, but I don't want to do it prematurely. I want to share the word with you. What does the Bible say? Uh, God doesn't even want people making fun of us or joking at our expense. Amen. You ever hear someone, every time they tell a joke, it's at your expense? And really what it is is passive aggressiveness that they have some type of jealousy, envy, or unforgiveness towards you in their heart, and it's coming out, it's boiling out of them as a joke, but it's at your expense. Is that touching the Lord's anointed? Does God care if we make jokes at the children of God's expense? Does he care? And 2 Kings, and I'm, I'm going to go into Old and New Testament to give these illustrations. But this is just one that I, you kind of, how could you miss it? In 2 Kings 2.23, it says, there, From there Elijah went up to Bethel, and he was walking along the roadside. Some boys came out of town and jeered at him, said, get out of here, Baldy. Now, call me partial. I happen to have a bald head, so I kind of, you got to see yourself in the word of God. Amen? It's got to hit home every now and again. But, but here are these children. It says, get out of here, Baldy. They said, get out of here, Baldy. And he turned around and he looked at them and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. Now, that is, I'll give it to you, that is an extreme, gruesome example, but it's the word of God. And it pertains to touching the Lord's anointed. Now here's the thing. Do we still have permission to make fun of God's saints? Do we still have permission to make fun of and mock God's pastors and preachers and teachers? You see, I know a lot of people, they are comfortable uh, talking against pastors and uh, talking down on them and calling. You could go back, I, I don't know how many sermons I have on YouTube, maybe 700 plus sermons, over 10 years worth of preaching, and you will, I'll give you a million dollars if you could find one sermon where I, where I used a pastor's name and, and talked about him with my words. I'll give you a million dollars right now. It's on live Facebook. It's going to be on uh, Spectrum. And what's that other cable? Cox, Cox Cable. You guys watch, I don't care where you're watching. If you can find, dig up one sermon on me where I use my tongue and talked about it, I don't do it. 
I don't do it because I don't want to bring a judgment. I don't know what God is doing with them. I don't know how God is working on them. I don't know what they're saying in their bed at nighttime between them and the Lord. See, sometimes the anointing does things that look unusual. God told Abraham to sacrifice his son and bring him up to a mountain. And if I would have made judgment, I would have made judgment against the word of God and the will of God for him simply obeying God. That looked unusual. Let's be honest, God has told us unusual things. And people that mean well, and they're know-it-alls in the Bible, and they'll start raising their tongue against God's people. I don't do that. For one, I'm not God. I don't know everything. And I don't even know the things that God has me doing a lot of times. See, a lot of times God can use us, and we don't even know. God is using us. We could greet and say hi to someone and you just change. God, the anointing through you changed their life. People has come up to me and told me that when they're in my presence, they had anger problems. They told me that when they came around me, that this spirit of peace came upon them. They have told me that. That's the anointing. That's the anointing. There, there was a person... Uh, who, there was a person who used to come to our old church and they felt comfortable yelling at me over the phone and they did it in front of, they did it in front of Deacon Frederick, they did it in front of Elder Glenn, they did it in front of uh, Brother Chuck back there. They did it in front of my wife. And they were screaming at me over the phone. They were uh, disrespecting me, telling me that I was a bootleg pastor. They were so hard against me on that phone call that my wife literally was crying over it. During the phone call, she was crying. They missed the church service on Sunday for the first time. And the first service that they missed, scheduled to go to the following week, if you guys are following me, the following Sunday, they just spent about $4,000 doing a wrap for their vehicle, for their business. And that following Sunday, the very Sunday after they did that phone call, they totaled their car. Totally totaled their car. And it happened on a Sunday that they missed our church service. And then shortly after that, they got divorced. And even then, they could not make a connection between touching the Lord's anointed. They were oblivious to it. I don't know what's going through their mind. There are some folks that their whole life could be wrecked as a result from touching you. And folks, when we are a saint, the Bible says the anointing is a saint. You don't have to be a pastor. I got, a, I got stories I want to give you um, that happened way before I was a pastor. This anointed thing has nothing at all to do with your title, your position, your popularity. Look, God can anoint a homeless man and rain down judgment if that homeless man repents. You see, 
See, the, the nice thing about God is God has given everyone access to the kingdom of heaven if they would repent and go to Jesus. God even said, I'm no respecter of persons, but he's a respected of, of his children. The greatest mistake people make is believing they got away with wrong because we didn't retaliate. You see, I got to tell you in one, get this folks, where I watch God punish me, not punish me, but punish other people for messing with me. And 100% of those examples, I never did anything to them. I never retaliated with an exchange of argument. I never rebuked, and I didn't even rebuke them. I forgave them. I humbled myself before them, and, and, and I put the matter in God's hands, and I watched these things happen. You understand? God doesn't need us to retaliate when people do us wrong. In fact, in our effort of retaliation, we cut off what God is operating. Never, and now here's the thing. Is this just uh, hellfire, brimstone, get them God, get them God? No, do you understand that even in God's wrath, he can bring out salvation? Even in God's wrath, he can bring out salvation. In fact, most folks, the way they got anointed was because there was a judgment or hardship or pain and suffering in their life which caused them to cry out to God. You look at Saul, who wrote most of the New Testament. He was Paul, or Saul became Paul. You look at him. He literally called himself the chief sinner, the chiefest of all sinners. He literally was on, he was actually seeing through the killings and the murders of the church. He was killing and seeing three, overseeing the assassination of the children of God. He touched the Lord's anointed. And did God not deal with him? He literally took a, gave him blindness, struck him with blindness while he was on his high horse. Literally got knocked off his high horse by God. And Jesus opened up and said, Saul, Saul, why is it that you kick against the pricks? Is it hard? And God judged him right there, took away his vision. But he chose him. He chose him. And even the man who restored back his vision said, do you know who this is? And God said, yes, he's a chosen vessel of mine. He's going to suffer many things for the gospel's sake. See, God will choose people that you would never choose. Never. The greatest mistake people make is believing they got away with wrong because we didn't retaliate. Amen. See, the world, this is not hip. This ain't cool. You know, usually, like, you watch all the movies out there, and if you touch the man, the man single-handedly uh, 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 de-weapons a hundred people and whoops them all. God said, I don't even need you to do that. I'm greater than all that. The most powerful, greatest movie you could come up with, God said, I'm real. In Luke 17, 2, let's see how God feels about touching his anointed. It says, it were better for him 
that a milestone, and for some folks that don't know what a milestone is, a milestone was used to grind down the weeds, right? When you go to Pizza Hut, that, that bread that formed that pe- Pizza Hut is a horrible example. I don't like Pizza Hut. Okay, um, Lord, help me, help me. Oh, if you go to Fat Bob's in Brunswick on Pearl Road, yeah, okay, can I get an amen? You go to Fat Bob's in Brunswick, and uh, shout out to Fat Bob. If you go there and that you get that, they have something called a butter crust, and somehow they cook that pizza with a butter laying and it like crisps up. Amen. Not for you keto people. Amen. You gotta stick to that cauliflower crust. <laughs> wow, I forgot what my whole entire point was. No, the the way that they get that pizza dough, that pizza crust, it comes from wheat. That wheat has to be ground down into a powder, you see, before it could become wheat. That's how what God wants to do to the people who touch his children. He wants to grind them down to a powder for touching God's people. What an illustration. He said it would be better for him that a milestone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of my little ones. And a lot of times we take this scripture and we, we correspond it to messing with God's little children. All of us are God's little children. That's why we call him our father in heaven. Not, it has no, a day with the Lord is a thousand years. You could be two years old or a hundred years old. You're still a little child to God. He's infinite. He's not even connected to time. In Romans 12, 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Revengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, and this is where the Christianity comes out, if thine enemy hunger, Repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire. This is not touch my, not my anointed. You see this in the scripture. It's throughout the whole Bible. This is such a profound revelation that once you have this connected in your mind, it, it, it's always been there. From Genesis all the way down to Revelation. You think those demons that have messed with Jesus, that he's done with them? No, he has a pit of hell in store for them. For Judas that betrayed Jesus with a kiss, do you think God let that go? God let him go crazy. You see that he betrayed him with a kiss, and then he ended up doing something on a tree. There's children in the room. Amen. You know what he did on the tree. Okay. Why did he do that? Because God let him lose his mind. His sanity was lost. Do you see that God can take away people's mental health from messing with you? Even all these folks in these uh, political arenas, all these liberals in the politics, and they're talking against the church and talking against the Bible and promoting all this wickedness. sin. You don't think that God can let them go crazy? You see, that's why we pray for our enemies so that they can repent and they don't have to go through what is stored up for them. And it says, Thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head and be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. In 2000, 
2004, 2003, 2004, in that time frame, I was incarcerated as an inmate. I was roughly 25, 26 years old, 27 years old. I was in that ballpark range. And um, I was a brand new Christian. I, I brand new, brand new Christian. But when I got saved, I don't want to brag, but I got saved, like really saved. I'm, I'm talking about I went from being an atheist to getting like really saved. I don't know the Bible talks about different levels of salvation, and I don't know about any of that. I just know I got saved. I see some folks, when they get saved, I don't see no change. And that's between them and the Lord. But I, when I got saved, there was change. Like I was a wreck undone, and it was obvious change. God delivered me from gambling, from smoking, from drinking, from fornicating, from robbing and stealing. And I mean, there was change when I got saved. And so here I was, a brand new baby, fresh Christian. And I was standing in uh, Belmont Prison. And in prison, they have something called the commissary, which means that there's a certain scheduled day for all the uh, inmates uh, where they can get money on their books, uh, finances, to be able to fund some of their prison stay. So you can buy candy bars, you could buy... Um, uh, 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 linen, you can buy uh, soap, toothpaste, laundry, um, radios, headphones, you can buy um, soup, uh, pizzas, there's a lot of stuff you could buy. And so here I was, a brand new baby Christian, uh, I, I never did nothing for the Lord. All I did is I cried out and asked him to save me, and he filled me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's what happened to me. And I didn't do anything for the Lord, I never served him I, I, never, uh, I never did any special preaching, no teaching, nothing, nothing that would be special. But I was still God's anointed. And here I was reading a daily bread, minding my own business, and these three large Muslims came in front of me and they started harassing me with their words, threatening me, intimidating me. And these Muslims were so big that it didn't take three of them. I probably weighed about 150 pounds. One of them weighed about 300 pounds. They were all over six foot. I, there would have been nothing I could have done to fight even one of them, let alone three of them. They were monsters. I'm talking monsters, like three Goliaths. And here I was reading the, my daily bread, minding my own business, and they came into me and they said, you know that's not going to help you, right? That, that, that ain't the true uh, God. Uh, our God is Allah, that Jesus Christ, he's nothing and you're nothing. And they started speaking like that. And then I started saying, are you a, a, a Shiite or a Samanite? I don't know what I was saying. I was, I, just, I was a brand new Christian. I don't even know what I was saying. I was like, what type of Muslim are you, a Shiite? Or, it, that's all I knew. And th as soon as I said it, I saw the devil rise up in their face. They were getting ready to tear my head off. And God told me, don't, uh, don't even say one more word. Or they were getting ready to do something to you. The Lord told me that. You see that? And so I stopped talking to them. I didn't say another word. We stood there, and I just put my head down in humility, not out of fear, although I recognized they would have eaten me for breakfast. 
And so I stood there in humility with my head down, and I walked all the way. They all, eventually they got bored with me because they weren't getting a reaction out of me. And they ended up getting their commissary, and they went on to their dorms. I got my commissary. I went out to my dorm. Business like usual, but the same day, folks, same day. In prison, you get assigned jobs that you have no control over. And that same day and that they did that, those three Muslims, even now as I tell the story, I have no idea how this happened. It doesn't make any sense. And now I've done prison ministry for 16, 17 years as a preacher, as a clergy, going into the prisons and the jails. Even what I know now, it makes more lack of sense that this happened. And so all three of those Muslims, they all got locked up in the hole. And when you're in prison, there is a punishment within the prison where they put you in a hole. They take away your radio. They take away your commissary. They take away the TV, your privilege to play basketball, your privilege to work out, the privilege to walk in the yard. All Everything is stripped from you, and you're in this little tiny solitary confinement is another word. But all three of these Muslims who were harassing me, they all got thrown in the hole that same day. Now, you can call that a coincidence. You can call it bad luck. You could say that's your choice. But I'm, I'm telling you what the Word says. And I watched God punish all three of these Muslims in front of me. Now, that's not the big deal. The big deal was this, is that a guard came up to me and said, you are assigned to work the whole and you're going to be the one to give the trays to the inmates in the hole. And they only assigned me that job for that one day. I never did it before then, and I never did it after then. Just for that one day, I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps even sharing. I could feel chills. For that one day, the guard assigned me to give them the trays in the hole. And here's the thing, if I was the biggest jellyback coward that ever existed, I could have done unimaginable things to their food, and, and they would have never known. I'm talking about the sky is the limit. And don't even think that the thought did not go into my mind, because I'm being honest with you, the thought entered my mind, but I knew it wasn't God. And as I was preparing their trays, I started looking at the, the chemicals of the detergents. It was right there. Why was it right there? But it was right there. Why would you put cleaning solutions right next to the food? And so I saw it. And the thought popped in my mind. And then I heard the Lord say, don't touch their food. And I want you to look, every Muslim, all three of them, I want you to hand them their tray, and I want you to bless them. And I want you to encourage them and tell them that this is just a short moment. And so what I did is, I, and these, these folks were, I'm talking about monsters, and they were extremely violent. They attacked other Christians after this event, okay? Multiple times. And so I took their tray, and God told me exactly what to say to them. He said, I want you to look every Muslim in the eye, the three of them. 
that threatened you. And I want you to encourage them. And so I did. I took the tray and I said, look, here's your food. And, and I made a couple jokes, made all three of them laugh. And I joked about the food. And I said, look, I said, be encouraged. This is just a temporary situation. You're going to be out of here soon. And I handed each one the tray and I said the exact same thing to all three of them. And they recognized that I was the Lord's anointed. Had to don't even read the Bible, not even saved, not even filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that demons recognize who's anointed and who's not? Sometimes people are so out of touch with God that they will touch the Lord's anointed and even demons don't even do that. Demons said, Paul, I know Jesus, I know, but who are you? They came to Jesus and said, have you come to torment me before the time? They didn't give all the back tack attack and and touch the Lord's anointed. They know better. But people, whew, and three of these Muslims, I'm telling you, they came out of the hole. And one of them came up to me, and they said, do you know that you remind me of Gary Coley? And I can see you go into all the prisons just like Gary Coley did. Now, some of you don't know who Gary Coley was. Gary Coley was the first person to ever preach the gospel to me when I was 15 years old. And he has just recently died this year. And I will be going to his funeral this coming up Thursday, Lord willing. But the Muslims said, you remind me of Gary Coley and I can see you doing prison ministry. At that time, I wasn't even thinking about doing prison ministry. But God can even make your enemies be at peace with you. God can even use your enemies to speak a confirmation to you. And that one Muslim said, I'm going to tell you what. He said, I'm going to be your personal bodyguard for the rest of your stay in this prison. And if anybody touches you, they're going to have to go through me and all of my crew. I have a lot of examples, a little bit of time. Now, you can call every single story that I gave you, you could call it all luck, all coincidence, all, you can say whatever you want. But I know that the Bible is true. God will not even, even tolerate people trying to lie or deceive or manipulate us. You see, I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and come into my office and they tried to lie to me. And I don't know what it is because I think they see a lot of TV pastors and a lot of misrepresentation of God's children and they think that as Christians we're gullible, we're naive, we're weak, we're not smart. They, they really don't understand that we actually are tapping in to the kingdom of heaven with unlimited wisdom, unlimited revelation, unlimited discernment, unlimited knowledge and they don't get that. That it has nothing to do with us. It's who we're connected to. And, and, and God, he doesn't even want people to lie to us. There, there was a guy that uh, I was at work and he walked in uh, and he, he, he tried to tell me a story. Immediately, instantly, God told me he was lying. And he looked, he dressed normal, looked normal, looked presentable. And he came into my office and God told me he was on heroin. And he went on to this whole huge story and... Um, 
about why he needed money, and he went into this whole speech, and God told me to tell him that you know that he's lying. Now, it's easy for most people, they're just going to give the person money and move on about their day, or they're going to tell them no and move on about their day. Not a whole lot of us are going to tell someone to their face, you're a liar. But I didn't want to do that. God told me to do that. So I, I looked at him and I said, God told me to tell you you're a liar. <laughs> and you know what he did? He flipped out. He started throwing stuff around at work. This is in old Brooklyn, folks. Long story short, I had him get arrested. He went to jail, right? But the only reason why I was able to get him arrested is because he had a warrant for his arrest. You see? And when I called the police on him for what he did, they arrested him. Not for what he did, but because he had a warrant. You see that? Along with the sermon topic, touch not my anointed. So here this man was, came into a store thinking that he was talking to any old person, not knowing that I'm a pastor. Later he found out I was a pastor. This same heroin addict, he got out of jail, ran to our optical talked to my wife and said, where is that, that pastor? He is a man of God. He knew that I was lying to him, when, and he did not believe my lie. I know he is a real Christian and a real man of God. And finally, this same heroin addict, he said that because he got me arrested, it actually delivered me from heroin, and I've been clean and sober ever since then. And when he saw me, he ran into the optical and he hugged me. You see, this message, touch not my anointed, it is not just the punishment of God to punish people because no one has nothing else better to do. It's about souls that are lost. And when they touch God's anointed, they're opening the kingdom of hell. When they touch the Lord's anointed, they are actually tapping in to the pits of hell. You see, all of us could be totally annihilated from the devil. All of us. We could be wiped totally out. We, the devil can take our job. The Bible says that he comes what? To play around? It says he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You see, if the anointing of God was not a hedge of protection around us. The devil can wipe out the very shoes you have on your feet. God will not even tolerate. If you know someone that is talking against a pastor, your pastor or any pastor, you need to pray for that individual. But I'll tell you what, you can't stop other people from touching the Lord's anointed, but do not participate. You don't want that. You don't want what's connected to that. We're talking about God doesn't even want to tolerate people lying, manipulating to God's anointed. 
It says, then Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and they shall carry thee out. And then she fell straightway to his feet and yielded up the Holy Ghost, and the young man came in and found her dead. Why? Because she lied about her possessions. But she lied to the Lord's anointed. She tried to manipulate the Lord's anointed. She tried to deceive the Lord's anointed. And instant judgment came upon her right there. This is New Testament. God does it. He takes this very serious that we are not to touch the Lord's anointed. I've given you many uh, descriptions and examples of these things happening. I've given you examples of people getting thrown into prison within a prison, examples of churches closing down, examples of people getting their car wrecked, and I have more. I know people that came against me and they actually got cancer afterwards. And again, I, I don't understand. I'm not worth it in my own eyes. I'm nothing in my own eyes, but in God's eyes. God counts the hairs on my head. No pun intended. It says they found her dead and carried her forth, be buried her by her husband. And look what happens because of that. The great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And I'm concerned that the church is losing its fear. I'm concerned that the church, while you losing, while losing the fear of the Lord, they're gaining the fear of the world. Do you see that? When you lose the fear of God, you gain the fear of the world. And that's not a fear you want. No matter how close, familiar, and comfortable we get to the Lord's anointed, it never, folks, if you don't hear anything I just shared with you, you, you have to get this, folks. See, a lot of times there are people, they'll, they'll feel that they have a special relationship with a pastor, with a deacon, with a saint, and they feel that because of that relationship, it gives them special privileges to come against the Lord's anointed. It's not true. No matter how close, familiar, and comfortable we get to the Lord's anointed, it never gives us justification to touch the Lord's anointed. If you're a wife and you're married to a saint, that does not give you permission to raise your tongue against the Lord's anointed. If there is anything that has happened in your life, see, a lot of times we will blame the rest of the world, but we will never take accountability for our own words. 
We'll never take responsibility for our own words. God doesn't want us to do that. And if we've done that, all we have to do is repent and stop. And invoke the mercy of God. And Samuel 6.6 6, it says, when they came to the threshing floor and Nacon and Yuzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled and the Lord's angle burned against Yuzah because of the irrever irreverence. Do you see that? Do you know anyone that's doing irreverent acts towards God or towards God's people or towards the word of God or towards the church? It didn't matter its position. And look what happens. It's interesting what happens. So basically, the oxen were traveling with the ark of God, which is represented for the anointing of God. And they were traveling with it. And when it came time for them to go to a threshing floor, the ark moved. And all they tried to do is stabilize it. God doesn't even want you to try to touch his anointed for any reason. Any reason at all. And it says, look, it says, it says, Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Yuza, and to the day that place is called Perez Yuza. Do you see that? By them touching the ark, which is the presence of God, the judgment of God instantly fallen on them, and they died. And even David got angry with God for killing them because he could not connect. He could not connect God's judgment on them. And I believe that they felt that they had permission because they were close to the anointed. They were close. They had a certain title. They had a certain reputation. They had a certain position, even granted to them by the king. Do you know what a privilege it was to transport the Ark of the Covenant? That was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to transport, the op to, to, to be aiding And God still released what he released. It says they died there beside the ark of God. God struck them down. You see, I, 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 I appreciate that this message could be both a comforting message, but also a tormenting message. Depending on where you're at. You see, it's interesting how God... See, the Bible says that the Word of God is a two-edged sword. Which means that one edge may affect one person one way, and another edge will affect another person another way. And 1 Samuel 26, 9, it says, And David said to Abishia, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed, and be guiltless. And David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, on his day shall come he die, and he shall descend into battle and perish. Now, 
Basically, what was happening is Saul, the Bible literally said he had a demon torment him because he was messing with psychics. You see that? He was the king of Israel, and, and, and the prophet stopped speaking to him, and he was so desperate to hear from God, he started reaching out to psychics, and in doing that, he disobeyed God. He brought demons to come on him, and with those demons, he had no peace and torment. He literally took spears to throw against David. Saul was all the way in the wrong. Like, wrong is wrong. And even then, in that extreme illustration, David knew something, that even then he would not touch the Lord's anointed. He wouldn't even raise up his tongue against him. His heart was not against him. His thought was not. Saul was literally demon-possessed. And he said, will the Lord hold you guiltless? And then David said, well, look, he'll die in battle or whatever he does, but I don't want no part of it. I don't care if he has cancer, if he gets struck by a light, a bolt, a bolt of lightning, like the George Floyd, uh, George Floyd Memorial got struck by Lloyd lightning. Whatever happens, I don't want no part of it. Let the Lord deal with him. You know, if he gets ran over by a horse... You know, chokes on a piece of bread, uh, you know, whatever. He's, I'm not touching the Lord's anointing. I don't want no part of it. Folks, if you've been guilty of touching the Lord's anointed, you have to repent. You have to ask the Lord to forgive you. And the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If there is anything at all that is happening in a way that you are not happy, if there's anything at all that happened in your life that is not good, you have to ask yourself, have you ever thought against the Lord's anointed? Have you ever spoke against the Lord's anointed? Have you ever joked against the Lord's anointed? Because you could bring a curse upon yourself regardless of your title, regardless of the relationship. You have to repent now before it's too late. And God is waiting at the door. Waiting. Lord, forgive me for touching the Lord's anointed. Now here's the thing. I give you a bunch of illustrations, but if you hang out with me for a week, man, you'll, you'll think so low of me. Man, who is this undereducated, ebonic, ghetto pastor with, uh, you know, just he, and he, he can't even spell right. He don't know. You'll find so much fault wrong with me. Feel so comfortable with me that you'll just start ripping off at the tongue. You see, and that's how the Lord's anointed is because God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Which is why saints, saints of God, you need to make sure that you establish boundaries with people. You have to have boundaries with people. When you have children, do you not have a boundary so that they don't touch the hot stove and burn themselves? If you have pets, pets, do you not establish boundaries so the pets don't 
eat things they shouldn't eat and go places they shouldn't go and hurt themselves in ways that you don't want them. So you establish boundaries. How much more should the children of God establish boundaries with people in your life? I'm almost done, folks. Almost done. And believe it or not, this is not even the whole, I'm not giving you the whole message that I have because I know God has showed me that a lot of this message uh, that, that I had initially, it was for me. I'm, I'm giving a portion, and I'm not holding back, I'm giving what God wants to be given. God's love is so deep. He has our back. Even when we doubt. You see that? See, a lot of people, they feel comfortable touching the Lord's anointed because they don't really believe the word. They don't know the word. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Their eyes are still, they got scales. And they're acting as a child. But I propose this to you. If a child ignorantly runs out into traffic, are there not still consequences? If you do 35 and a 25 unknowingly, are there still not consequences? God's love is so deep. He has our back even when we doubt. In Genesis 22, it says, And Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. Abimelech, King Ger, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, she is a man's wife. Do you see that? Abraham was God's anointed, and he told the king that if you touch her in a dream, you are going to die. And Abraham caused the whole situation. In fact, he did it twice. Do you see that? You, look, sometimes as the anointed, the saints of God, we do things we shouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. But there is a grace upon our life in certain circumstances that God watches over you. Just like a little child that does things that they should not do. Do you not watch over your child? Do you not care for them? Do you not protect them? God watches over us. Abraham should have never... That was the most cowardly thing Abraham could have done. But someone presented me with this, that Abraham was uh, very old in that day, and she must have been really good looking, because even in her old age, a king wanted her. Sarah. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but just throwing that out there. Abraham lacked faith. That's why he said she's my sister. And even God still said, don't touch my anointed. Don't even touch his wife. You see that? God could literally kill people for touching your wife. Why do you think there's these don't commit adultery? And now you watch, you watch all the TV shows. Adultery is 
desensitized. Fornicate, sleep with everybody. There is judgment from God. You see, the devil wants you to believe that you could touch, that there is no anointed. That the devil wants us to believe that nobody's anointed. I'm not anointed. I have no anointing. I'm not anointed. I, I'm nothing. Deacon Frederick is nothing. He's not anointed. Elder's not anointed. Sister Reba's not anointed. Sister Ron, nobody's anointed. Feel free. Put your hands on everyone. Put your tongue on everyone. Put your thoughts against there. Nobody's anointed. Just do whatever you want. I'm telling you, that's a dangerous mindset. And this is the mind of the world. They don't reverence God. They don't reverence the church. They don't reverence Christians. We can't do that. That's why this message is a plea. I'm not trying to attack anybody. I'm not trying to uh, warn anyone. I'm not trying to cause fear. I'm simply sharing the word, and I'm telling you things that I've witnessed with my own eyes. And it's for you to believe and pick whatever you want to believe. But I have to declare the word of God. Amen? Many times people attack the very person who is trying to help them and love them. Touch not my anointed. They put their hands on Jesus. Jesus was trying to help them. He literally was love and they still touched him. Many times people attack. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten attacked by the very person that I was trying to help. I cannot tell you. But here's another trick of the devil is because people attack you when you love them and you try to help them to try to get you to stop helping, to try to get you to draw back, to try to deter you from the narrow road, to try to get you to slow down, to try to get you to stop loving and, and, and helping. Don't do it. Amen. Keep doing it. Many times people attack the very person who's trying to help them and love them. And Numbers Numbers 22:32 it says the angel of the Lord asked him why have you beaten your donkey these three times I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me and this donkey saw and turned away from me these three times and if I had not turned away I certainly would have killed you by now but I would have spared it basically the angel was telling the prophet through the donkey, opened up the mouth of the donkey and said to stop. And that prophet kept beating that donkey who was trying to rescue him. We have to make sure that we don't, God will use donkeys to try to block us from going the wrong way. And sometimes we can't be so headstrong that we're determined to go the wrong way that we beat the very people that God put in our life. Now, how do I know that a donkey was anointed? Because he talked. You don't need a theology degree for that one. God has a rod so powerful to defend us, it shatters souls. The Bible says in Psalms, and I'm closing with this here. You know, someone said to me not long ago, Pastor, your sermons are so long. And I said, well, most of our church services are under two hours. 
most movies are over two hours. So you can sit in a Hollywood, ungodly, not even biblical, no Holy Spirit, no truth. You can sit and watch a movie for two hours. But in a church, they're, I'm melting. I'm going to die. Good. Let your flesh die so that you could get fed in your soul. Let me take you up to Pier W in Lakewood. Let me take you to Pier W in Lakewood. And the, the ledge, the scenery, it literally oversees Lake Erie. And you got a piano player. Yeah, you sit there for two hours with your pinky out, taking selfies. Oh, I know. I know. Believe me, two hours of church is ain't going to hurt nobody. Amen. But it will hurt your flesh. See, this, this is a spiritual message. Amen. This is, this is not for feelings. It's not for intellect. It's not for the flesh. It's for the soul. Amen. And, and it's powerful. Because anything I give you for your flesh is going to fade away. I could take you to Pier W. I could take you to, uh, to see the movies. What is that Black Widow that's out there? Uh, escape Room? Yeah, Pastor knows. I could, you could see that for two, three hours. And when you leave... Your life has not changed at all. Your attitude got worse. You're 30 bucks less in the pocket. But when you come to church, it changes your mind. It changes your heart. If you let it. If you let it. God has a rod so powerful. On that note, it's still my last point. I'm closing soon. I don't want to extend to extend because I have nothing else better to do. Although in a way I don't have anything else better to do. Because this is the best thing I can do is be in church with you. God has a rod so powerful. You see in Psalms we talk about uh, the Lord is my shepherd, his staff and his rod. A lot of times we want to talk about the staff, but we ignore, overlook the value of the rod. You see a staff has a, usually a hook on it, like a candy cane. And, and, and the staff could be used to lasso around the neck of a sheep and pull that sheep back into the place where it needs to be. And the Holy Spirit does that. A, 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 a staff has a way of guiding the sheep. But the rod has a purpose too. God has a rod. In Psalms 23, 4 it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod. Do you see that God prioritizes the rod First before the staff? Because if the wolf comes and tears you to pieces, you don't need to be led now, do you? What do you need the staff for? The wolf already had his way. You see, the rod is mentioned before the staff. Because if God does not beat up your enemies, you won't make it to be led. Oh, what are you saying, Pastor? I don't understand what you're saying. If those three Muslims that were surrounding me would have mauled me and took away my vocal cords and, and, and took away my ability to speak, I wouldn't be up here right now. 
If they would have disabled, they, man, they were so big, they literally could have removed my, uh, my legs like a drumstick. And I'd be up here, hopping up here. You see, I needed God's rod. I didn't need him to lead me. I didn't need him to guide me. I didn't need him to show me the way. No, I need your rod. God, where is your rod? My enemies are surrounding me to the left and to the right. God, I know you're going to lead me, but for now, break out that rod. A rod, the police used to use something called a slapjack. They don't use it anymore because it's inhumane. My uncle, who was a sergeant, retired. When he first started the force, they used the slapjack. Slapjack, you pull that thing out, you don't want to fight anymore. You get hit with the slapjack a couple times, man, you, you could literally knock someone out with it. And see, God has a rod like that. He can knock the devil out. It says, uh, Proverbs 26.3, it says, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Who's that rod for? For those that touch the Lord's anointed. You see that? So, so what I'm saying, folks... Knowing that God has a rod, you don't have to fear God. We're not like everyone else. We have a hedge of protection around us. God takes great pleasure in blessing us in front of our enemies. That's another thing. Now, I went on all these stories of how God has done I've watched things happen to people who have done me wrong. I went in all the stories. I've watched God bless me in front of other people. People that said, oh, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never achieve this. You'll never come. God blessed them right in front of me. For one example, this is so crazy. I told you how God punished people, but I, I got to tell you, God has punished people in front of me, but God has blessed me in front of other people. You see, my parole officer told me, he said, you will never become a licensed optician. He told it to me. I had family members, I'm not going to say the connection, but I had family members that told me, you will never get a license, you will never become a medical provider. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And God let me get a medical license, a licensed optician, and even have our own optical. Because God is true. Everyone else is a liar. My criminal record didn't stop it. My mistakes didn't stop it. God wiped that out and he moved me forward right in front of them. How in front of them do you ask? Because my parole officer's co-worker came and was one of my patients in the optical. And he sat down right in front of me and he was on the phone with my parole officer and I said who are you talking to we started mentioning I said what do you do because in our job we ask what people do for the glasses it's all connected and uh, he told me I'm a pro officer I said you don't know officer so-and-so and he said yeah I'm on the phone with him right now and I said hand that phone over to me right now and he the, my patient handed me over the phone I said officer so-and-so how you doing I got my license I'm a licensed optician and now I'm taking care of your co-worker
And at that time, I was so poor, God flipped everything around with that, that parole officer. I went down to the county jail to do a church service, and he did the security. And he belted out real loud, oh, aren't you the one with the criminal record? And I said, yeah, the one that Jesus died for and forgave my sins and changed me? Yeah, I'm the one. And I'm not going to tell you, but I told him some of the things that God has blessed me with. Okay? And one of the things was a police badge. I have a police badge that says pastor on it. So anytime I get pulled over, they let me go. And the same police officer that gave me that police badge arrested me before I was a Christian. And now he gave me a police badge because I married one of his children. Not married, married, but did the ceremony. And that same parole officer got to scan the wallet and saw the badge. And he was so angry. He said, how did you get a badge? And I said, let me tell you. <laughs> and I showed him pictures of how God was blessing me. He opened up the door. I went and went in there. So I'm, I'm making more money than that pro officer. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to oh, pastor, you bragging. No, against him. See, God will bless you in front of your enemies. Those people that come against you, God he needs to show the world that he's real and that you're a real child of God. It builds up the faith. Do you see that? I'm nothing special, no more than anybody else, but I am the Lord's anointed. You can't earn that anointing in a theology school. You can earn a degree. The anointing comes from God. God takes great pleasure in blessing us in front of our enemies. In Psalms 23 it says, and 5, it says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why, God? Why do you want to break out a big old buffet, a spread? I'm talking fried chicken, cornbread, black-eyed peas, collard greens, sweet potato pie, apple pie pumpkin pie, banana pie. I'm talking a spread. God wants to break out a spread in front. He wants to bless you in front of your enemies. That's an awkward thing. You see, my wife, when we go to work, she cannot eat her lunch unless she gives food to everyone else. Like she don't even feel comfortable eating unless everyone else has food. Like she feels guilty. God wants to bless you and give you favor in front of your enemy. Houses of worship, churches as essential places that provide essential services. Man, you have a problem figuring out what you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. The corn pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. I can hardly wait to meet with that guy who is the stable genius. Come on, man. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Wealthy kids. Black, white, all colors, all backgrounds, but I mean. Come on, man. Why are you calling this the Chinese virus? It's not racist at all, no. Not at all. It comes from China. 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 It comes from China.
not racist at all. No, not at all. It comes from China. Strongsville Christian Church. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach good news.